Hello, Lakers Nation. Welcome in. Trevor Lane here for LakersNation.com, your home for everything Lakers. This is the LakersNation.com live off-season show slash podcast. If you listen to the podcast version of this over on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you listen to podcasts, make sure you follow us, toss us a review and a rating. We'd certainly appreciate that. And if you're joining us live right now from YouTube, from Twitter, from Facebook, welcome in. We are so glad to have you here. We're going to talk some Lakers basketball tonight. We'll take your questions and comments. We'll talk a little bit about the rotation. We'll also talk bit about a guy named Carmelo Anthony, the impact he can have, lots of other topics to break down as well. But quick reminder, if you haven't done so already, make sure you subscribe to the Lakers Nation YouTube channel and don't forget to go subs- subscribe to the NBA Front Office Show as well, which I host with Keith Smith where we break down the entire NBA. Joining me tonight is Ron Gutterman from LakersNation.com. Ron, how are you doing, man? Doing good. Yep, just getting through the NBA offseason uh, any way we can. Football's about to start, which is obviously a big help. But, yeah, we're just trying to get through it and get to these games. That's right. And it's it's not that far away. We're I mean, we're talking not even months anymore. We're talking weeks. We are weeks away from the start of the NBA season. We're one week away from the start of the NFL season today. So we've got some good stuff coming up. And I'm excited about that. I can't wait to see these Lakers take the floor. I posted to my Instagram account, which you guys can go follow at Trevor Lane NBA uh, earlier today, a picture of uh, Anthony Davis and Russell Westbrook. And it's from an all-star game, but AD's got his arm around Russ. And it just, I came across the picture and I thought, man, I can't wait to see the Russell Westbrook, Anthony Davis pick and roll. Like I'm sure there's going to be some bumps in the road, but that might be the most exciting new thing that I'm looking forward to seeing on the offensive end of the floor. Yeah. Russell Westbrook has a history of just like unlocking big men and he's done it with a lot less talented players than AD. I mean, like Steven Adams, you know, he was almost an all, like he was in the all-star discussion, like two years because of Russell Westbrook, like he he has an ability to unlock guys. Clint Capella got a huge contract because of because partially because of what Russell Westbrook did for him. Like these guys, like really get unlocked with Russell Westbrook. And I think Anthony Davis is just another guy that can get to a next level. But he's already starting from a top like seven player in basketball level. So that's really exciting. We talked about this earlier. We did a video about uh, Anthony Davis and him being frustrated with Dennis Schroeder. What's the over-under? How long is it going to take for Russell Westbrook to break Dennis Schroeder's record in terms of lobs thrown to Anthony Davis? I, I, I've i said it a lot. One quarter. like I One quarter? Because it was they, one. He had one they, last they season. They on one lob the whole season. I think Russell Westbrook and AD are going to get that within the first few minutes, and I think they're going to break it within the first quarter. I would not surprise me. Would not surprise me at all. Dennis Schroeder, for whatever reason, just did not like throwing that lob to Anthony Davis, and AD was not too thrilled about that. Paid apparently. Yeah, I guess. I guess. Um, so you know what we we did a video earlier. We talked about Lakers versus Nets, and the Nets it looks like they're going to get Lamarcus Aldridge, who's by the way, that's a fantastic story that he's able to come back. Uh, I hope he can do it safely, and then he is fully cleared. That sounds like that's the way this is heading. But the Nets getting LaMarcus Aldridge and, of course, getting Paul Millsap. We found out about that earlier today as well. Uh, and, and we did this whole breakdown. And going into it, you and I, Ron, we were both talking about how we were a little bit nervous. Like, if we said that the Nets should be, the Nets right now are the betting favorite in Vegas. If we said the Nets should be the betting betting favorite, 
would that would Lakers Nation look upon that in an unkind way? Would they not be too thrilled with that? As it turns out, most of the responses that I got were that we didn't spend enough time talking about Carmelo Anthony and the impact Carmelo Anthony can have coming off the Lakers bench. So I said, okay, okay. I was not expecting that response, but let's go ahead and write that wrong. Let's talk a little Carmelo Anthony. What kind of an impact are you expecting from him? I've had some Lakers fans, I think this is a bit overzealous. I've had some suggesting he could be in the starting lineup, but what do you see happening with Melo? Look, Carmelo Anthony, um, since, since he signed with Portland two seasons ago, he's kind of been the same guy. And this is a guy that, he can score. He can get you. He can get you a very quick bucket on the offensive end. He can score from three at a pretty, mm-hmm. pretty reasonable percentage. He had over forty percent this past season. Um, he can score at all three phases. He's not quite as quick as he used to be, but he can still rise up and get those get those buckets. Defensively, he's providing you less than he ever has, and he never really provided all of that much. He was never an all defensive caliber guy and he slipped on that end too so defensively what he's providing in Portland what he provided was just being six foot eight six foot nine like he just provided being tall and so the Lakers could use that because you know you can never have enough wing defense in the Mm -hmm. NBA so Carmelo Anthony can certainly provide being tall but he's not going to provide significant defensive reinforcement but he will provide someone you can safely put on a basketball court offensively and they can kind of do their own thing and you know they're not going to run your offense into the ground the way we've had some players on the Lakers in the past few years where if they were on the court by themselves the offense kind of plummeted yeah then that's just it like Carmelo Anthony he's a guy you can put into the game and he can get you a bucket 10 years from now Carmelo Anthony, you could put him in a game and he can get you a bucket. Shooting doesn't tend to slip quite the way some of the other things do. So Carmelo Anthony, you know he can score. He's going to be doing it 10 years from now in the YMCA. He's going to be putting up buckets, right? This is just this is what he does. And I think it's so appropriate that Carmelo Anthony comes to the Lakers finally after almost a decade of these two you know, these two entities, right? The Lakers and Carmelo Anthony like circling each other. He comes to the Lakers when Kyle Kuzma is on his way out, because that was always our thing with Mello was, well, Kyle Kuzma already kind of has the role that you would want for Car- for Carmelo Anthony, and that's being your reserve power forward, come in and get you buckets, right? That that was the ideal Kyle Kuzma role in our minds, and now that Kuzma's gone, I think Mello can fill that role very, very well. I think he's a guy that can come in, that can score with the second unit. You look at the bench unit for the Lakers. Uh, let's say Rajon Rondo is in there. Great, right? He, but he's not much of a scorer, but he can set guys up to score. So Carmelo Anthony can check that box, playing alongside some of the guys that we're assuming will be in the Lakers' second unit. Trevor Ariza can score the basketball, but it's not like his natural go-to setting, right? It's not his default setting to score the basketball. You need somebody in the bench unit that can put the ball in the basket, and that is Carmelo Anthony. I don't see him really fitting into a starting unit. I suppose if you wanted to say AD at the five, LeBron at the four, Carmelo at the three, or flip-flop those, whichever way you want to do that, I don't know how comfortable I am with that, asking Carmelo to defend any of the higher scoring wings in the NBA. But off the bench, I think he could absolutely be a weapon. Yeah, defensively, he's just, he doesn't have it really at all. Um, and it's it's no offense to the guy. He is, he's up there in years, NBA, t- in NBA terms, he's up there in years. And guys who are up there in years usually don't 
don't have it like that defensively. It's not like Dwight Howard, right? Dwight Howard was at one point the greatest defender in basketball. So he's lost a step defensively, but he's mm-hmm. still really impactful on defense because his starting point was best defender in the NBA. Carmelo's was never that. So when he loses right. a step, it's like, okay, now he's not even he's a he's a net negative defender. At least Kyle Kuzma, he was an average NBA defender. Mm-hmm. Um he didn't provide offensively what Carmelo does but he was an average NBA defender. Carmelo's not. So I would say this. Carmelo Anthony is, there's there's certain players in the NBA where they're more name than game, right? And Carmelo, I, I don't think we go that far with him, right? I don't think we say that he just doesn't contribute. He's a big name, but he's a guy who doesn't contribute on the floor. No, I think he absolutely can and will contribute to this Lakers team. I think we saw it in, in Portland. We saw the blueprint for how he's going to contribute. But... I think because he's got the big name, he gets a little bit overhyped where people are expecting him to do these big things. Temper those expectations. If he scores in the double digits, I will be very happy, right? If he gives you 10 points a game, even if it's just 10 on the nose, I'd be pretty happy as long as it's efficiently. I think we have to focus more on just his efficiency, the fact that he can come in, be a scoring threat. Don't assume he's going to come in scoring 20 points per night or doing anything on the defensive end of the floor. Yes, he's got a big name, but he's 37 years old. He has made that transition to becoming a role player, and I think we have to make sure that we see him through that lens. He's a role player now at this point in his career. He's not your go-to guy. I think you can give him the ball in crunch time in certain situations. If you can generate an open look, he can knock those down, but he's no longer the guy where you say, uh, the offense is in trouble. Here's the ball. You go figure it out. That's not his ideal role anymore. Yeah. And it's, it's the same way we talked about Dwight Howard and Rajon Rondo in 2019, 2020, where when they came to the Lakers, it was, Hey, these are big names. They are not the players they were anymore. They can still provide an impact, and here's the blueprint to do that. But don't expect that they are who they used to be, because they're not. And that's okay. Like, guys slip, you know, lose a little, lose a step here and there all the time. Carmelo is still going to be a pretty impactful player for this team, Mm -hmm. but he's not going to be Carmelo Anthony. All right. So I've got a lot of people that are on uh, our chat right now talking about Mark Gasol. So let's dive into it. Right now, right, most of the roster is set. However, there have been lingering rumors stemming from a couple of weeks ago. Mark Stein mentioned that Mark Gasol might still leave the Lakers. And then the whole DeAndre Jordan thing popped up. And now the Nets suddenly have uh, have Millsap, potentially Aldridge. It seems like DeAndre Jordan's on the way out the door. So where do you stand, Ron, on the DeAndre Jordan versus Mark Gasol debate? Because it feels like you're probably not going to have both. Or I guess I'll let you you respond. Like, do you think they could just keep all of them? Keep Dwight? Bring in, uh, bring in Jordan and keep Gasol? No, I, I think I think DeAndre Jordan coming to the Lakers would mean Mark Gasol's leaving the Lakers. Um, that's not what I want. <laughs> my my, I, I I don't really get this thing about Mark Gasol. It seems like the Lakers front office just doesn't believe in him. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's just looking for avenues to get rid of him. Um, or maybe he's just looking for avenues to leave. I don't know the exact story, but it just seems like they're not sold on him, which doesn't really make a ton of sense to me. If I, if, if it's between Deandre Jordan and Marcus Gasol, I'll take Marcus Gasol every time. Deandre Jordan is just like, he's like 70% of what Dwight Howard is now. And 
like we already have Dwight Howard, so why why would we do why would we do that? Um, so I, I just think I, I think having Marcus Gasol is just a unique skill set that's different from everyone else. And I think you can throw him out there with AD or with LeBron and and kind of add some spacing and add some playmaking. I, I like his fit on this team. So between those two, I'd prefer Marcus Gasol, but I don't see a world in which the Lakers try to keep both. So uh, we got a super chat from Sean Mills said Mello off the bench, solid eight to 20 points any given night. That's a big range, <laughs> eight to 20 points. Um, That's the thing though. I'm actually, I agree with that. Yeah. With Carmelo I, Anthony, it really is like he'll six points on three for 12, 22 points on 11 for 14. Like it just, Anything can happen with him. That's right. That is true. He is. He could be the wild card for the Lakers this season. And by the way, I just want to mention that. Like, if you guys want to make sure your comment gets read, as long as it's a reasonable one, send it in a super chat. We'll make sure that we do get to it. Uh, but back to the DeAndre Jordan and Marcus Salt thing. I will just play devil's advocate a little bit here. The Lakers had a ton of success with JaVale McGee and Dwight Howard. Won an NBA championship. Having that be your tandem. Now, that was not the... The ideal, right? The ideal setup for the Lakers was JaVale McGee and DeMarcus Cousins. That was the plan. DeMarcus Cousins can shoot the three. Then Cousins got hurt and they brought in Dwight. And so you wound up having two centers with a very similar skill set in terms of JaVale and Dwight Howard. But it worked and they won a championship. Wouldn't that be the benefit of going to a DeAndre Jordan is that you would have a sort of JaVale and Dwight-esque approach to the center position once again? Yeah, that's that's the benefit is that you end up with exactly what you had, which is JaVale and Dwight. DeAndre Jordan is extremely similar to JaVale McGee today, like as they both currently exist today. Mm-hmm. I'm just if you're asking me my preference, though, I don't I don't I feel like Marcus all just provides something different. And I like that something different. Um, I, I get that JaVale and Dwight worked, but it wasn't the Lakers initial plan. And it wasn't the plan they went with last year. And it feels like They've been trying to do the two centers with different skill sets, but for some reason they're like fighting with themselves over it and potentially talking about DeAndre Jordan. It'll be interesting to see which way they go. Ultimately, I'm in agreement with you. I think that Marcus Gasol is the guy to go with. I think especially if Russell Westbrook is your point guard. If your point guard was, I don't know, if your point guard was Steph Curry, I don't care as much about having a five who can shoot threes. But with Russell Westbrook yeah. being your point guard, for spacing, I think you need a five who can shoot the three. And Marcus Gasol is one of the better ones in the NBA. Shot better than 40% from three last season. Didn't shoot enough of them in my mind, but shot 40% from three. So we'll take that. Yeah, if you, the, the Warriors proved that if you have Steph Curry at point guard, you can put quite literally anyone so long as they're not 19 years old at the center position. Like, yes. <laughs> you can put any human being that is over 6'11". Someone who is tall. And they can yeah. man that. I don't know. Somewhere out there, like Greg Ostertag right now is suiting up and getting ready to to challenge that theory. But um, <laughs> I can play with Steph and Clay. <laughs> I can do it. Hustle1993 from YouTube with a super chat says, anytime I think of Trevor Ariza, I think about the game against the Warriors where he missed nine three-pointers, miss after miss. I don't, when I think about Trevor Ariza, I think about the steals, the clutch plays that helped them win an NBA championship. I don't know. I, I don't. I honestly don't remember the nine missed threes or anything like that. Um, when I look at the entirety of his career, I see a guy who's the quintessential three and D style wing defender, right? I mean, he's he's long. He, he's solid defensively. Yeah, he's getting up there in years, so his defense isn't quite what it was. Not a great three point shooter, but good enough to keep defenses honest. I think he'll have utility as a Laker. I'm not worried about 
one particular moment back in the day where he may have missed a bunch of shots. Like a lot of players go through over the course of a long career, you're going to have off nights if you look back far enough. I, I'm actually, I, I'd be shocked. I'd be shocked if he didn't have nights like that. The amount yeah. of years that he's played in the NBA, like he, he's going to miss, he's going to miss a lot of shots. <laughs> yeah. uh, Sean Mills with a super chat. Thank you. Said I prefer Gasol. He's still super smart and one of the best passing big men to play the game. Yeah, I mean, look, Marcus Gasol's ability to, I mean, not just pass the ball in terms of his, his basketball intelligence, but direct the defense from the back line. That's something that's important as well. And, uh, and Marcus Gasol's, I mean, like you said, he's, he's one of the brightest players at the center position. He's got the ability to do that. I, it's tough. When you see him get pick, put in pick and roll over and over and over again and teams just target him, it's hard to have him on the floor. Okay, but there are some matchups where I think you can use him. And I think if the decision is DeAndre Jordan, who will also get pick and roll to death, or Marc Gasol, who will get pick and roll to death, but gives you floor spacing, I think I'll take the floor spacing. Yeah, like Dwight Howard, Dwight Howard is a unicorn in the fact that he's older, he's slower, and yet he doesn't get, like, he, he's slower than he used to be, and he doesn't get killed in pick and roll. Like, yeah. You can you can get him in pick and roll every now and again, and he'll probably lose the battle. But like, it's not one of those things like Mark or like DeAndre Jordan, where if you just run pick and rolls against him over and over, they will never figure out how to win, right? Because they don't have the right. speed to keep up with everything. So Dwight, shout out to Dwight, he's very good at that. Um, it, it seems like no matter what, the other Lakers center that's not Dwight and not AD is going to get killed in pick and roll. I'd at least rather them have the ability to shoot the three and pass the ball. Yeah. Yep. Agreed. Agreed. Mamba mentality from YouTube said, we need a wing and a power forward. And if Mark leaves a center too. So as of right now, the Lakers have a self-imposed roster cap of 14 from what we understand. You can carry. They're going to keep a roster spot open for the buyout market midseason. So that means there's only one. There's only one more player coming in. And I guess let me back up a little bit. So what you're going to see in the next couple of weeks across the NBA, you're going to see Team X has signed these three players, and then Team Y has signed these four players, and you're going to go, what? I haven't even heard of these guys. What is happening? Those are training camp deals. Teams will bring players into camp in order to get a look at them, in order to be able to mix things up a little bit more during scrimmages, things like that. And then once they have to cut their roster down, then you'll see the guys that are really on the team. So when I say that they only have one spot left available, if they're going to keep it at 14, technically they could build their roster out to 20 right now. But we know that some of those guys that would be on the team, for example, Chandi Brown, who we like a lot, um, you've also got, uh, Mac McClung got one, got a, an exhibit 10 deal as well. These are guys who aren't going to be on the regular season roster though, unless they just blow everybody away in training camp. So these are guys that are going to be eventually cut and then find their way down to the South Bay Lakers, be part of the G league program. Right? So once the regular season starts and the roster cap is again at 15 plus your two, two way guys, the Lakers are going to carry 14. That leaves you one spot. So mama mentality says we need a wing and a power forward. Which of those are you prioritizing, Ron? If you could pick one of those two things to add to this roster. Um, probably a wing. Because at this stage, Anthony Davis is going to play some power forward, of course. 
He's going to play a bulk a bulk minute amount of minutes at power forward. LeBron is going to play some power forward. That was the point of the Russell Westbrook addition was mm-hmm. to shift LeBron to play some more power forward. And then you also have Carmelo, who can play power forward at this stage in his career. He's no longer a small forward. He's sort of a he's sort of an undersized four. Um, so really, and then when you talk about wings, it's Trevor Ariza and and Trevor Ariza and Trevor Ariza. So well, I mean LeBron. But yeah, but I'm saying in in the regular season, LeBron, he's made it pretty clear that he doesn't take those superstar matchups during the sure. regular season. Yep. He, he saves that for the playoffs, which all power to him. He absolutely should save it for the playoffs. Mm-hmm. But during the regular season, it's literally just Trevor Reza who's in charge of every wing superstar. Um, and I, I don't necessarily love that because is it an upgrade over KCP? I don't know. KCP's a better defender, but he's small. Yeah. So it's it's fine, but I think they need one more guy that they can just reasonably throw at a wing superstar just one more person so i mean james ennis has been going around liking all the posts on social media that have said he should be a laker i think he's making it pretty clear he, he would like to get this spot uh i mean he's not like a, a lockdown but there's no lockdown defenders out there there's, that guy does not exist right that's now over so i mean yeah. to me it, to me that's a no-brainer it's just to sign james ennis, unless the plan is just we think somebody is getting bought out that, that people aren't anticipating. And so we're going to hold this roster spot and see what happens. Okay. Then I get that. But otherwise I think James Ennis should be the pick to get that last roster spot. Yeah. James Ennis is, uh, I think like six, seven two twenty. like uh-huh. that fine. Like he's not a very good defender, but you're not getting any better at this point defensively, like with the players who are on the market. Go sign him. Just throw him out there against opposing wings. I, I just, I really think the priority with the one roster spot needs to be just another guy you can throw at wings. They have enough bigs. They have, in my opinion, more than enough guards. Uh, more than half the roster is guards. So I just think one more wing would really help them go a long way. Uh, Larry Wolfolk, the second in the super chat from YouTube, said, "What do you guys think about Frank Nilakina? They just don't need that." They just don't need yeah. what, what he would bring. They've got so many guards on the roster as it is. Uh, but you mentioned a wing. They cut Alfonso McKinney. I mean, would, like, should they have just hung on to him just so, because he at least fits right, the size, the athleticism to potentially be able to defend some of these wing players, at least competently. It's not like you're taking a guy who's 6'2 and saying, hey, go defend Paul George or something like that. Like, he's at least got the physical profile to potentially do that or to give you maybe five minutes a night or something defending some of these guys. Should they have just hung on to Alfonso McKinney? I mean, they didn't need to cut him when they did. Right. Right. Like his guarantee date, I'm pretty sure was the, the league standard one, which is in January. Um, They didn't need to cut him. I, I always felt like they could have held on to him until they needed his roster spot, which Right now, they have one de facto one available spot. They have two, but they have one spot available. They could have him in that spot until James Ennis or until someone gets bought out and they say, okay, Alfonso, bye-bye. Thank you for your service. Mm -hmm. Um, I I understand that, you know, your theory back when they cut him was they wanted to do him a favor and let him go shop with other teams while there were still open roster spots and money to give. But 
now the money's dried up, then he didn't go anywhere. He's still a free agent, and it's like, ah, I probably should have just held on to him. That would have been nice. And then if someone better comes along, you cut him then because you, you have a non-guaranteed deal. I guess that's a good point, right? Like, if they really decided, okay, you know, the guy that we thought was going to pop free didn't. Um, Mamba mentality with the Super Chat said, let's wait. Some teams have to cut roster spots. Sure, but that doesn't mean somebody good is going to be cut, somebody that's worthwhile. But isn't it possible if, let's say, they get through roster cuts, there's nobody there they really like, what's stopping them from just calling back Alfonso McKinney and saying, hey, want to come back? He's not going to say no. Right. Yeah, and that that could be what ha- that's what happened with Quinn Cook, right? Yep. Where they cut him, and then they realized, oh wait, we actually didn't need to cut you. You want to come back? <laughs> and he was like, yeah, of course, why not? And he um, came back, and then they cut him again, but like they they brought him back. <laughs> Avery Sworn with a comment that's fairly accurate said, "Y'all do realize these last few roster spots, our guys are not going to be a factor. They never play." Um. Like, that's a good point. Sometimes we, and I did this as a coach too, right? When I was, when I was making cuts, I would agonize over my last few cuts. Do I want this kind of player to come in? This person really works well with the team. Do I want this one to go like agonize over it? And at the end of the day, I would have to remind myself, these players probably aren't going to play that much. They're my last cuts. It's unlikely that they're going to be part of like my starting team. It took them the entire tryout process really to really show something. Um, and I guess that's probably reality. Is as much as we can agonize over, okay, who should get this final roster spot? The final roster spot's probably not going to play a lot to begin with. Again, I still I still lean towards you find a wing just because, hey, break glass in case of emergency, you've got another wing player to throw at somebody. But uh, it's probably not going to matter all that much. Uh, I actually, you know, I... I normally totally agree with that sentiment like who cares about roster spots 13 14 15 like Uh these aren't guys that play anyway but the lakers are going to rest guys like this is the big topic of conversation this is this is an old team this is a really old team average age of like 31 this is an old team and so there are going to be nights where russell westbrook doesn't play lebron doesn't play uh, AD is not old, but AD doesn't play. And then there will be nights where Ariza maybe just isn't feeling it because mm-hmm. he's 37. Melo's not feeling it because he's 37. When those nights happen, you're going to need depth to turn to. And just having anyone that is effective, like let's say Trevor Ariza and Carmelo Anthony, those two guys, because they're 37, they're just like, they need a load management day. Well, now you don't have a wing that day. You just legitimately do not have a guy that's between 6'5 and 6'8 that day. Like, you just have to figure it out. So it's just always better to have those guys mm-hmm. rather than not. I, I'm not suggesting that anyone that they get will be this uh, this X factor, but they just need someone. They they need a body. The The open roster spot will do more harm than just having anyone there. True. Yeah, no, that's a good point. You know, the like load management is probably going to be a thing. And like you said, when they've got an aging roster, that's just it's kind of the way it goes. It takes you long when you get older. It takes you longer to recover from things. Your body needs a little bit more time to recuperate. And I think that is just going to be way of life for the Lakers this season. Uh, Davis Painter from uh, YouTube with the Super Chat. Thank you. Said, what role do you see for Malik Monk? I think Malik Monk, to me, 
is right below THT in terms of being that guy that if he really hits, could push the Lakers to another level. Now, I won't say it's a high probability he's going to really hit. I think that from the film studies I've done, he's got a long way to go on defense. And with Frank Vogel being the head coach, that worries me a little bit, right? Frank Vogel's going to lose his mind on a guy who misses assignments defensively, right? Like that's that's uh, that doesn't work, yeah. right, for Frank Vogel. He's a defense-first coach. He's going to be hyper-focused on that side of the ball. But that said, if Malik Monk can make progress there, offensively, his game is really intriguing. He can get into the paint. He can attack the rim. He's athletic. He can shoot. He can do a lot of things to help you out. So that's why I see this guy as somebody who could make a really big impact. Could. We don't know because he's still so young. And that's part of what makes this deal such a steal, that he's still so young and has so much upside, and the Lakers just got him for the better minimum. So I'm excited but I'm not going to count on him providing night in, night out value until he proves it. Yeah, Malik Monk probably has the widest range of like what his role could be on this team. Mm -hmm. At worst, he's not going to play. He's out of the rotation. He didn't improve defensively. The three-point shooting was a fluke, and he's out of the rotation entirely. Best case scenario, like you can make an argument that he's like the sixth or seventh man because he shoots 40% from three, he, Frank Vogel whipped him into shape and his his defense went from almost unwatchable to serviceable and he becomes an impactful rotation player like his his range of who he can be for this team is very wide it's the widest of anyone on the team I'm leaning more towards he doesn't play every day he probably doesn't play every night um but he can be impactful again he he has his work cut out for him with Frank Vogel because he his defensive issues stem sometimes from the film. It seems like a, a, a lack of a lack of trying, a lack of effort, Oof. more so than a lack yeah. of ability. Which That's never good. It's really tough. It's it's tough to get across. But I think Frank Vogel, if, if anyone in the NBA can turn someone around defensively, I believe it's Frank Vogel. So maybe. Agreed. Yeah. I mean, look, this is it's a non-zero chance that he really becomes an impact player this season. I'm not going to count on it. There's a reason why he was available for the veteran minimum. Um, I will say there were probably some other teams that were willing to offer more. He picked the Lakers. That that makes sense. But it's, it's possible. He could wind up becoming a, a real rotation piece here for the Lakers. Uh, Chester, look, go ahead. Well, if you just look at the Lakers guard rotation, like obviously Russell Westbrook, Kent Bazemore, um, THT, Kendrick Nunn, those four are squarely ahead of him, guaranteed. Mm -hmm. And then between Rondo, Ellington, and Monk, any one of those three guys could take guard minutes on any night. So they're kind of going to split like the, the, the remainder, the leftover minutes between the three of them during the regular season. And in the playoffs, I think everyone would agree that Wayne Ellington is more trustworthy than Malik Monk because Wayne Ellington has been doing this for like 12 years. But the so, playoffs are a long way away. And so how we see those two yeah. players might change a lot by that. Right? I mean, like we thought, we thought, hey, Wes Matthews, this guy can shoot the ball. He's going to defend at a high level. As the season went on, we kind of, I mean, at one point he was benched because he wasn't getting the job done there. So I guess that's the other thing. And I've been saying this for a while. We look at this right now in the offseason and every, every fan base for every team does this. We look at it as though every player is going to hit. Every player is going to work. Nobody's going to slump. Everything is going to work perfectly. And that's just not true. It's not going to go that way. And so it's 
possible that there's minutes there for Malik Monk, but like you said, it is going to be an uphill battle. It's something where he's going to have to prove himself, and I can't wait to see what he's got because I think he's a very talented player. Yeah, definitely, definitely a, a talented player with upside. But again, there's there's always the chance that he just falls out of the rotation. Uh, Chester Namud from uh, YouTube said, "We need all of them to play. We need all of them healthy." give or take the situation of the whole season. We need all the firepower. We need every single game until the finals. So he's saying, look, the fact is that even if the last few bench spots, if we're saying they don't count all that much, over the course of the season, I think he's agreeing with you here, Ron, you're going to need all of those guys. You're going to have to lean on them at some point because you need healthy bodies in order to keep everyone else healthy, right? If you're only If you only have eight healthy guys, those eight healthy guys are at a higher risk for injury because they're playing more. So if you have a fully healthy roster, you can keep that roster healthier by divvying up the minutes a bit more. And I think that's part of why Jared Dudley ended up not returning uh-huh. because I think the Lakers, the Lakers said, Hey, look, we could have you as the 15th man, but we learned last year that we might need the 15th man to be a productive basketball player. And no offense to Jared Dudley, like he just wasn't that anymore, and he recognized it because he retired. Um, so I think Rob Palinka is learning that and saying, "I know the fifteenth man or the fourteenth man normally doesn't matter, but after last year, that person needs to be an NBA player." Yeah. Yep. All the uh, absolutely. Be be an NBA player, as though it's just that simple. Just be an NBA player, and then you can have that be roster someone spot. Who plays basketball at an NBA level. Like it's, <laughs> it's that simple. Uh, I've got Zandorian from the from YouTube in the super chat said, "Please tell the chat that Aldridge is retired." Oh, contraire, Aldridge. The the word that broke today is that he is cleared to play again, and he is looking to return potentially to the Brooklyn Nets. So that's why you've probably seen quite a bit of Aldridge chatter out there. And again, I'm super happy for him. I hope this is something he can do safely and get back out on the floor because you hate seeing a guy's career end early like that. Uh, Robert Young Jr. from YouTube. What about Isaiah Hartenstein? Can he replace Gasol? Sure. I mean, that's another option you can turn to. I don't know if he would be number one on my list. I, I can. I think right now, my ideal situation is just keep Mark Gasol. I don't see anybody out there's better. Like I've seen people argue with Harry Giles. Sure, but he doesn't come with the experience. I, I would be willing to give him a shot though if Gasol was gone. But I think my top option right now is you just keep Mark Gasol. Yeah, I'm I'm with you there. Just keep him. If something better comes along, you know, I know the uh, the Kevin Love buyout talks are going swimmingly over in Cleveland. Um, if if that ends up happening and the Lakers say, "Hey, we want you," like that's a good option. Um, if he has anything left in the tank, which I have no idea. Um, but like, there are very few options that are going to become available that are better than Marcus All. Uh, Carlton Spruill Jr. from Facebook said, half the season should be us blowing teams out and letting none THT and Monk close the games while the big three rest. I think especially early on, early on in the season, if you looked at the Lakers schedule, and Ron, you and I broke this down, early on, the schedule's pretty light. It gets tougher as the season goes on, but there's going to be some early opportunities, I think, to rest some of the guys and some blowout victories if, if, they get out there and put their minds to it because if you don't come out there with some real intention to, to win, to get out there and just have that kind of sharpness that you need, 
NBA teams, even a bad NBA team, can potentially beat you or can put you in a position where you've got to really push down on the gas pedal late in the game in order to win. I'd prefer to not see the Lakers in that situation as often as they were last season because of what we're talking about here. I want to see them be able to rest their guys, and that's where you can get minutes for guys like Malik Monk and, and THT and all these other players. So I think it's going to be important. It's something to watch early on in the season. Do they make so many mistakes that they wind up in close games that shouldn't be close? Because I think that's the kind of situation where it might not matter on that particular night, but in the long run, you do that too much, the minutes start adding up on your veteran guys, and it could cause disaster. Yeah, and honestly, like that's the best thing about Russell Westbrook. He like he'll take nights off as in he won't play on some nights because he'll load mm-hmm. manage. But when he's on the court, he he will not take nights off. Like <laughs> he doesn't take nights off when he's playing. He is 100% on the gas pedal all the time and that's going to be really helpful. Like having a guy that can just you know you can put the ball in his hands and he's going to put the team on his back. I think that's going to be so hugely impactful in the regular season to just get them through these nights where maybe it's a lull and Russell Westbrook's like, no, what are we doing? Like, let's win this one by 30 so that we can all rest (laughs) and get out of here early. Like, I I think that's going to be really, really impactful. We don't want anything like last year where they have that, that the worst seven game win streak in NBA history. Oh gosh. They won seven straight, but it took like three overtime games with Oklahoma city and Detroit. and Like the worst win streak of all time. So don't have that. That was awful. There were so many games where we're doing the post-game show and we're talking about it. We're like, well, the Lakers won in overtime and the chat is angry, so mad. And I and I get it. I was frustrated too. It's like, okay, they won, but how much damage did they just do to get a win over a team that they shouldn't have had to exert that much energy to beat? Uh, yeah, that was, that was frustrating. Let's not do that again. Uh, Sean Mills with a super chat said, keep Gasol, but consider Cousins is he, if, if he leaves... He's similar, can deliver a hard foul, and keep the pick-and-roll guy second-guessing. Um, so what do you think about that? DeMarcus Cousins, as a, I mean, similar skill sets. If Gasol leaves, do you just call a boogie? If Gasol's leaving anyway, then that's an interesting option. Yeah. I, I, wouldn't, pick, I wouldn't pick Boogie Cousins over Gasol because I just think they're very similar, and Marcus Gasol's just a little bit better, like, Marcus Saul's decline is due to age and DeMarcus Cousins decline is due to the fact that he just was injured for like two years straight. Um, and it's, it's disappointing. I, I, I wish he could have stayed healthy because when he was at full strength, he was probably the best center in basketball, but injuries happen. Injuries derail careers. And so I, I think at this point, he's just not better than Marcus Saul. So there's no reason to replace one with the other unless Gasol's already out. Agreed. Agreed. If Gasol is out and the Lakers are going, man, we really wanted a three-point shooting big, okay, Boogie's probably the answer to that, right? But if that's not the case, I don't think you're going, hey, Mark, hit the road. We got Boogie now. That's I don't see that playing out. Uh, Maverick from YouTube, the Super Chat, said, who will be the assist leader on the Lakers? Will it be LeBron, Rondo, Russell Westbrook? I'm going to eliminate Rondo from that list. I don't think he's going to play enough minutes to be the assist leader. I don't see that happening. LeBron, Westbrook, which one leads the team in assists? Westbrook. I, I, like, okay. Just because, just because they, 
when all the stories were coming out about how they put this trade together, the three of them, they put this together under the assumption that Russell Westbrook was playing the one, LeBron was going to start playing four more, and Anthony Davis was going to start playing five more. So if they stick true to that, which I don't know if they will, because we know that LeBron James teams go around LeBron James. They go where LeBron James goes. So I don't know if they're going to stick to that, but if they do even slightly, Russell Westbrook, I mean, he's he's been the assist leader like three of the last four years in the like he's yeah. something crazy. He's Com- yeah, he's combined Russell Westbrook and LeBron James have led the league in assists the last four years straight. One of those yeah. two has led the league in assists. Westbrook was three of them, and then LeBron, the year they won the championship, he led the league in assists. So yeah. I do think Westbrook will lead the league in assists, or I actually think, yeah, he could lead the league, but he'll definitely lead the team. Um, And I think LeBron is going to take more of a backseat in terms of playmaking on a night-to-night basis. Obviously, when the game calls for it, he'll do it. But on a night-to-night basis, I do think Russell Westbrook's going to be the leader on the floor, just because that's who he is. Yeah, I, I do think so as well. I think it's probably, I think you're probably right. Um, Who's the points leader? This got asked to me, and I said, my answer to this, it was about a week ago, I was asked, who's going to lead the team in assists, who's going to lead the team in points? And my answer was kind of a cop-out. I said, LeBron is going to get one, Westbrook's going to get the other, and I don't know which one they're going to get. One of them's going to lead in assists, the other one's going to lead in points, and I'm not sure which one's going to be which. So you're saying Westbrook leads in assists. Does that kind of, by default, mean LeBron leads in points scored? Do we see something where, like, Anthony Davis who I believe led the team in points the season that won the championship, does he get in there? Like, who do you think leads the teams in the yeah. team in points scored? I, I think Anthony Davis leads the point, okay. uh, leads the total for this team. I think he leads the team in scoring. I think LeBron is going to be, like, within two assists of Westbrook and within, like, three points of AD. He'll, he'll be the best all-around player because he's always the best all-around player. Mm-hmm. But I do think Anthony Davis is going to lead the team in points just because... Like, the amount of easy looks this guy is going to get when Russell Westbrook and LeBron James generate the amount of attention they do in the paint. Like, it, it's, I'm, I'm, I'm not kidding. It's a nightmare defensively to figure out how to stop Russell Westbrook, LeBron James, and Anthony Davis from attacking. Like, you could say that the, the easy way is pack the paint and make them shoot threes. But if all three of those guys are attacking you and attacking the basket— I don't even think five defenders is capable of stopping that. Like, I think you need a sixth to stop that. These are three of the best attackers in basketball. That's terrifying. <laughs> it's, I'm just, I've got this mental picture in my head of Westbrook, LeBron, and AD just in a full charge. And it's a frightening scene, that's for sure. Yeah, like, like yeah, the, they could defend, defenses could do what they did last year, which is just pack the paint. But you can pack the paint, and if all three of those guys attack the basket one of them is going to score. <laughs> These are three of the best attackers in the game right now. And potentially of the last like 10, 15 years. Like I, I don't know. I feel like they're not defenses. Aren't going to be able to just pack the paint because the Lakers can still beat that. Uh, Sean Mills with a super chat says, let Westbrook be the distributor for the regular season, save Braun for when he is needed. And at his best come the playoffs. I mean, that was that was a whole part of the reason why you bring in Russell Westbrook was to preserve LeBron James. That was why they brought in Dennis Schroeder. It just didn't work, right? Like, that was the plan, was Dennis Schroeder, you can take some of the burden off of LeBron James to create for others. And then they brought in Schroeder, and they went, oh, he's not that great at creating for others, right? 
it didn't really work out. Russell Westbrook is. And so that's part of the appeal here to bringing him in is that he can create for other people. He can take on some of that burden. And LeBron James doesn't have to do that every single time. And it's not like LeBron James steps off the floor and the offense just immediately crumbles, which is what we've seen for the last two seasons. Yeah, and, and the good thing about this Lakers team, and we've we've made the joke that like Russell Westbrook, LeBron, and AD are doing a, a draft to see who gets what load management nights off. <laughs> right. Uh, but I, I legitimately think that in, in the playoffs, you need all three. In the regular season, I think you can legitimately win most of your games playing two of them at a time. And I think the Nets are very similar in this vein. We're like, on any given night, you could just put out two of them and leave the third one behind. They'll still probably win that game. Because that duo is better than anything that any other team has got going on. Mm-hmm. Like, <laughs> So I, I really think that having Westbrook allows LeBron to just take nights off and also take playmaking off while he's in the game. Because you can realistically win. You can win an NBA regular season game with Russell Westbrook and Anthony Davis. You can win it with Russ and LeBron. You can win with LeBron and Anthony Davis. Like, There's so many ways to do that that it's going to allow LeBron to take nights off and not be the primary playmaker. And then in the playoffs, he flips the switch. Agreed. And that's, that's the ideal. That's what we hope happens, right? That he's able to do that come playoff time. All right, let's do one more. Then we'll call it an evening here. Uh, Appreciate you guys joining us. I know a little bit earlier than usual, but decided to help out some of the East coast viewers today. Um, Let's see. Uh, somebody asking about AD, his health. All we've heard is that he is good, totally healthy. Haven't heard anything negative about that. He said that he is good to go. Uh, somebody from YouTube, Bronny from YouTube said, is it possible we trade THT midseason for a starter or a borderline all-star quality player to improve the team? We have too many guards in the rotation. Uh, is it possible? Sure, it's possible. I don't know how likely it is. It depends on how well he plays and all that sort of stuff. Um, but I don't think they signed him with that in mind. Like that's not their intention. He was the sticking point in the Kyle Lowry trade. If they didn't like him, he, that wouldn't have been the case. Right. And they wouldn't have given him as much money as they did in the off season. So I believe they signed him in order to keep him, but it's the NBA. Never say never. The Clippers signed Blake Griffin, told him he was going to be in the rafters and he was this big part of their franchise. And then like four months later, they traded him. So you never know in the NBA, but I wouldn't say that's a likely scenario. Yeah, and also to keep in mind, uh, trading for a borderline all-star or a starter quality player uh, is going to be really difficult because the Lakers have THT making $10 million, Kendrick Nunn making five, and everyone else on a minimum mm-hmm. outside mm-hmm. of their big three. So that that leaves you about $15 million in tradable salary that, like, could actually help you get towards a star player's salary um, is going to be really difficult. Yeah. Yeah. Logistically trying to pull that off would be extremely tough. All right, guys. Appreciate you joining us here tonight. Uh, We will be back on Monday. We'll do another show Mondays and Thursdays. We typically go uh, right about eight o'clock Pacific time is what we've been kind of settling into Went a little bit early today, but appreciate you guys joining us. Make sure you do turn on those notifications. So, you know, exactly when we do go live and don't forget the NBA season is coming up. It's almost here. Make sure you are subscribed to the Lakers nation, YouTube channel, turn on those notifications, stay in the know till next time, everybody stay safe and see you.